We're talking all things emergency medicine on this special edition of Vax Matters. You don't want to miss it. Have a question about emergency medicine? If you do, chances are you'll learn the answer today. Dr. Eric Brooks of the Louisiana Department of Health joins our show to discuss the subject from emergency room to urgent care. Thanks for being here, Doc. Let's talk about emergency medicine just from a fundamental level. What exactly is emergency medicine? Um, it's a pretty open-ended question. Um, kind of like to think of it as open-door medicine in a way. Um, it's anything and everything that comes into the hospital. Um, but I guess if you really kind of get down to it, uh, the technical aspect, it's, um, we specialize in identifying and stabilizing people with, uh, life-threatening or limb-threatening injuries. Um, but like I said before, with the open door kind of policy that the ERs have, I mean, we can see anything from a runny nose to a paper cut, um, and, anything and everything in between up to, you know, gunshot wounds, heart attacks and strokes. So it's, it's really kind of a, a broad, broad specialty. Well, and as you said, emergency medicine, it does cover uh, quite a variety of practices. So do doctors that work in the ER, the emergency departments, do you have to go through additional special training because it is so wide open, doctor? Well, just like most specialties, we do have uh, to go through a residency, um, and that residency does concentrate on covering a broad range of specialties. Uh, for example, we'll rotate through um, several weeks and other specialties such as orthopedics, obstetrics, surgery, ENT, ophthalmology, uh, internal medicine. Um, we cover a lot. Um, in addition to just spending a lot of times, a lot of time in the ER, um, and seeing everything that comes in. Um, so in a way, um, I mean, yes, uh, we do have specialized training to, to be able to provide the broad range of services. Um, uh, but I, I think any specialist that you go see, emergency medicine being a, a specialty, any specialist that you go see will have, um, training specific to their field. You know, I remember here, there was always a conversation about people going to the emergency room for treatment that could have been given at a clinic or someplace else. And that, that was a really big deal. Is that still the case in your opinion that people, there are, there is a percentage of people who go to the emergency room for something that doesn't require emergency medical care? Um, yes. And, um, it's easy to kind of, get a little um, kind of, I don't want to say, I don't know the right word for it, but those people don't always have access to, to, to care as right. we all are well aware that there's a lack of, of primary care. Um, and even if that patient happens to have a primary care physician that can handle that complaint, um, they can't always get that patient in uh, in a timely fashion due to scheduling difficulties. Um, and so for a, a lot of people, the ER is really um, kind of a last resort. Um, we encourage people um, to only come to the ER when they feel like it's a life or uh, limb-threatening injury or condition. But um, 
other things left untreated can quickly become a life or limb threatening injury. Um, and so really it, it's kind of a, um, it's kind of difficult to really know sometimes when you need to go to the ER and when you can wait. And you know, so many times, doctor, I think that, that people, you know, when you're sick, you're sick. And you're afraid, you're scared, you might try to Google something and who knows, you know, about the misinformation. And you know, they just I don't I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I, I need to do something. So that's why they wind up in the ER. And I'm sure that no one is ever turned away, no matter what. Absolutely. Nobody is is ever turned away. So there's something called uh Imtala, uh, which uh regardless of a person's ability ability to pay, they're entitled to a medical screening exam. And a medical screening exam um, seeks to identify anything that, any emerging condition that needs to be stabilized. Um, and if an emerging condition is identified, um, that patient is treated in the hospital regardless of their ability to pay. Um, and so, I mean, it's, and doc, that's it's not that's not just a preference. That actually is law. That that is that's the law that that has to happen. Correct. That that's a law that has to happen. And and if the hospital, the ER that, that you go to for some reason doesn't have a specialty service uh, like um, neurosurgery or um, cardiothoracic surgery or one of those other specialized fields that not some of these smaller rural hospitals have. Um, that law also uh, holds that if and when we attempt to transfer that patient from one ER to the next, if the receiving facility has those capabilities, they're not allowed to reject that patient. And that's, again, not based on ability of that patient to pay. Wow. You know, in the in the post-COVID-19 era, I'm curious to find out how that has impacted the way that emergency facilities deal with the public? Not too much. The landscape has changed a little bit as far as um, staffing, um, nurses taking contract positions, um, bed availability within hospitals. And so that can pose some unique challenges. And sometimes people will, uh, they use the term uh, boarding in the ER where that patient is admitted, but They'll stay in the emergency room for several hours longer than they normally would have, um, if not days sometimes, or they'll need to be transferred to another hospital entirely where a bed is available. So, so that happens sometimes. So that's changed the landscape a little bit, but, but as far as how we treat that individual, as far as evaluation and providing therapies, that really hasn't changed any. You know, doctor, I'm curious too. When we talk about uh, trauma surgeons or surgeons who actually perform emergency surgeries, are they considered? You all considered emergency medicine doctors as well? Is there any differentiation between the two, or just one and the same? So that's a that's a good question. It's a different pathway. Um, so trauma surgeons are actually they they do their residency, they do their initial training in general surgery. And they do a fellowship or additional training after that, become trauma surgeons. Um, and so they'll treat severe mechanical injuries like severe car wrecks, um, things like that. Um, but, you know, at, 
at the base of it, they're, they're surgeons and they're surgery trained. Um, so they're not going to be evaluating and treating people for COVID or pneumonia or things like that. That's interesting. You know, we, we talked a little bit ago about people going to the emergency room who may not need to go there. Let, what's a good question for someone to ask if they're th- trying to decide, hey, can I, do I need to go to the ER or should I just call my primary care and wait until tomorrow? What's a good question? That's a really good question. Um, and it's sometimes hard to tell. Um, but I mean, I'll use common complaints as examples. Um, we've all had headaches. Um, if that headache is unusually severe or a different quality, meaning it feels different or there's additional symptoms or problems you're having besides just the headache, like confusion or blurred vision or you know, something else, there's something different about that that issue, that's probably a reason to go to the emergency room. And they can kind of branch that out to, to other common complaints, like um, if you feel like you have a cold, but it's this feels more than just a cold, you're starting to get real short of breath. Um, that's a reason to probably go to the emergency room. You're having back pain, but this back pain is different. It's worse. And maybe you're having some numbness and weakness in your legs. Um, that's a reason to go to the emergency room. Um, so it's really, it's not just something that you, you seems normal. There's something, there's something different. Maybe you can't put your finger on it, but you feel like there's something different. There's something worse. Um, it's not your, your normal. Um, those are, those are reasons to, to, go see the emergency room. And you know, doctor, we all know our own bodies. We know what feels when we have, you know, when I have a sinus headache, I can feel it coming on. I can feel, you know, just almost the swelling around my eyes and my head. I know that's what it is. But if there was something different, you're like a migraine. I've never had a migraine, thank goodness. But if there's, we know our bodies. And that's when, like you said, if you would go in to the emergency room and you'd be questioned by the doctor, the nurse, whomever, you know, you might not be able to verbalize, to put your finger on it, but you just tell them, I know this is something different. And that gives you, because you guys, you know, you can't, you, you know, you're not mind readers. You don't know. You don't know what it feels like. So every little bit of information that those patients can give you once they walk into an ER, that's when you can discern what's wrong and if it actually is for that, for the emergency room, for that care that you can give. Absolutely. Um, when people are able to to give us that information to tell us what's different, why it's different, that helps us a lot. Um, it, it is very difficult. And, and I mean, it's one of the challenges we have to deal with um, on a regular basis, unfortunately, when, um, you know, patients aren't able to communicate, maybe from prior injuries, such as strokes and things like that, um, kind of trying to figure out and, and piece together what exactly is going wrong with, without them being able to verbalize that. But well, yeah, when people are able to verbalize, you know, I know, like you said, people know their bodies uh, when something's different and they can kind of explain that to us. Um, it, it really helps us narrow down uh, and, you know, help us help them. What's an example of a non-life-threatening emergency? I mean, believe it or not, um, I've had, I've seen patients in, in the emergency room come by ambulance uh, for insomnia, so they, they couldn't sleep. Oh my! Okay, <laughs> that's not well. That's not seriously, I kid you not. <laughs> I have seen people for paper cuts. Wow, on their finger, not just a regular paper cut. Nothing. <laughs> that's not an emergency. I had a lady drive her son, her three-year-old son, to the emergency room 
during a hurricane <gasps> for an ant bite. Now, don't ask me how they got an ant bite during a hurricane. Oh my god! But it was an ant bite. Was he at least allergic to, um, to ants? No, no, it's just a regular little bite. <laughs> oh no! Those are some of the things that do, unfortunately, kind of clog up the emergency room. So what do you do in a situation like that? Because I know you have to maintain a level of professionalism and care and all of that. What do you do in that regard? Yeah, we do. Um, I just It's 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 a lot of just in, uh, reassurances what those people yeah. need. Um, some people, and, and I'm sure you can sympathize with this, I, this person cut themselves, it was with a piece of paper, but they cut themselves, saw blood, and they had severe anxious reaction to that oh, side yeah. of blood. And so they had their hand wrapped up in a towel and they refused to look at it. Um, and so we just, we cleaned it up. We put some, you know, some skin glue on it. We reassured them that it was fine and, and, and we let them go. But, but yeah, I mean, you, like you said, we, we do maintain a level of professional professionalism when, when seeing these patients, but we try to educate as best we can. Well, and that is exactly bingo. That is an educational situation and you are <laughs> the professional demeanor, mm-hmm. the patience, the kindness, and just, and you know, sometimes people just want to be paid attention to. They yeah. just want somebody, a professional to tell them it's going to be all right. And then they're fine. You know, you Listen. can say, you know, the next door neighbor, yeah. you know, they can run over the neighbor and the neighbor say, oh, it's just a paper cut. But no, they want to hear the doctor say it. So I just, man, I empathize with you on that. There's such a proliferation of these urgent care centers around the state, which I think is a, a, a good thing. You referenced earlier some of these rural areas that don't have access to really sophisticated medical facilities. Can you talk a little bit more about that, that we see more of these urgent care standalone centers being placed around our communities? I think um, I think they're an excellent resource for patients. Um, they're kind of a, um, so we spoke a little bit about difficulties patients have sometimes either with access their primary care, um, either getting in in a timely fashion or just being established in the first place. Um, and so this is kind of a, a bridge um, to that. It's they're, they're walking clinics. Um, they All they see are these uh, kind of a, acute complaints. Um, so, you know, colds, ankle sprains, you know, injuries and illnesses that kind of pop up. So they're not, they're not also trying to treat you know, for example, like chronic issues like blood pressure and diabetes and high cholesterol and things like that. So they, they're very accustomed to seeing these things. And, and so they're, they're equipped and prepared to do that. And, um, additionally, they're easier to get into. They're usually faster than the ERs. They're more affordable than your ERs, but also just if you're not sure, um, they can tell you and refer you to the emergency room when it's something that, that needs to be elevated. Um, and that being said, um, it's not a great place to go if you think you're having a heart attack just to see right, if yeah. they think you're having a heart attack also or yeah. if you think you're having a stroke. I mean, you need to go straight to the emergency room for those things. Um, if you think you might have broken a bone, um, but you're not sure. That's probably an okay place to go. Most of them have uh, x-rays. If you think you have a broken bone and your arm is crooked, then you should probably go to the emergency Ouch. room. Yeah. Pretty, pretty um, good yeah. indicator. But if you're, it's not sure. If it's kind of yeah. one of those things you're on the fence of, yeah, I think I'm sick. I think I'm hurt. But but I think it, it doesn't, it, you know, like, go back to the limb or life threatening. Um, you know, if the, you, this is 
otherwise something you think you could probably wait a couple of days and then it's probably okay to go to the urgent care. Um, but they're, they're a terrific resource. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're, it's great for people to have that option. Well, is there a difference? You know, you hear urgent care, walk-in clinics and what have you. Yeah. Is there a difference between the two or are they just pretty much one and the same? I think walk-in clinics um, also tend to provide that primary care aspect um, where they they can treat, do and uh, treat people for the chronic conditions like diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, a lot of those things. Um, and urgent care, they're going to refer out to primary care for that. Walk-in clinics may, may be able to establish care for you and see you on a regular basis and help manage that, those conditions. If you had your choice, which one should you go to? Does it does that make a difference? Um, it, it depends on what you're going. I mean, if you're oh, concerned because okay. your blood pressure's been high mm-hmm. um, and you're having trouble getting to see a doctor, um, walking clinic might be better. Okay, um, you said because they may be able to continue to follow up with that. And urgent care is really kind of um, a one and done. They, they want to see you and treat you for that condition and yeah. then refer out for everything else. But the walking clinic may be able to, to schedule you for for future follow-up appointments. Urgent care is not going to do that. Kind of the name says it all, urgent, you know, other than walk-in. You can walk in and you're doing pretty well. You just need to have something followed up on and then urgent is another whole other scenario. You know, Doc, for people listening who may have an anxiety about hospitals, uh, particularly emergency rooms because of whatever reason, I mean, what advice would you give them to, to try to overcome that, especially if they're in a situation where they need to be in front of a doctor or medical professional immediately? Um, it's, it's always good if they have some type of support system, family or friend that they can bring with them. Um, there was some significant difficulties with that. I know during COVID, but a lot of those restrictions have kind of been, um, rolled back. Um, so that's always a help. Um, additionally, um, we have medications, um, we can use to help treat that anxiety, um, in the ER while we get everything else checked out. I know. A lot of people are, uh, just for example, not so much just being in the ER, being in front of the doctor, but when we have to do other tests that may cause anxiety from like claustrophobia, mm. like CAT scans or MRIs, oh, things gosh, like that. Yes. Yeah. We can, if yes. they let us know, we can, we can pre-medicate and we can give them medication to kind of help um, pre-treat that, that anxiety. I mean, it's interesting because you think about all the moving parts in these urgent care facilities because of the different mm-hmm. kinds of trauma people are dealing with. You you referenced this earlier, the law that, that requires ERs to treat people regardless of their insurance status or anything else. But what specifically about people who do not have health insurance and they come into an urgent care or emergency facility looking for, for treatment? Um, well, urgent cares aren't going to be held to that, that same MTALA ah. standard. Okay, didn't know that. Um, okay. So they they can turn people away for um, inability to pay. Um, emergency rooms are not. Um, and so, um, like I said before, uh, emergency room and the hospital in general, um, if if anybody walks in, regardless of ability to pay, they're going to get evaluated and be treated, um, but not so much with the walking clinics and the urgent cares. That's interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. Play. Yeah. Huh. So what if you are in an area where you have to travel a great distance to get, because where we are in the capital region, I mean, there's, there's, there's a cluster where you can get to hospitals great within access. a couple miles, yeah. but then there's some 
areas a little bit further out where you've got to take a drive, whether you're near Zachary or out in Point QP or somewhere. So what do you do in that regard? Um, that's a great question. Um, if, if you feel like it's an emergency, um, we always tell people to call 911. There's always an ambulance service. Yeah. Um, if you, if you feel like you need to be seen. Um, and so there, there's always that resource. Now, if you feel like it's something that's maybe not as emergent, um, and you're scared of the, the cost that may be incurred with an ambulance, um, hopefully they have a good support system and they can find somebody with, with reliable transportation that can get them back and forth. But, um, yeah, that's, that's a challenge. Um, that's certainly a challenge and I don't have a, you know, a, a golden solution for you. Uh, yeah. But call the ER. I mean, if you're in, if, if your health is, is compromised or someone you care about, don't you know, call, call 911, as you said, and, and get treatment and then deal with that on the other side of it. Correct. Yep. Correct. Uh, like I said, even if, so we talked about ability to pay, but, but even if, um, you have outstanding bills and things like that. That's something else to, to think about. You're not going to be turned away just because you have other outstanding bills potentially at that hospital. Um, but that's never going to be looked at. Well, at least that's some peace of mind too right. for those patients. Right, right. So, you know, doctor, I've got to tell you, I just, I so admire uh, the folks, you know, like you that work in the ER. I just can't imagine because you never know. You never know what's going to happen that day at the end of your shift, what you have seen, what you're going to have to deal with or whatever. Um, I, I do uh, pet therapy with LSU and we take, you know, the pet therapy dogs to the different hospitals, you know, here in the, in the Baton Rouge area. And just invariably, after we, you know, make our rounds to the different, we go to the children's hospital and we go to different, other different hospitals, and we will be asked to come down to the ER. And the people in the ER, they, they, they just, they're so happy to be able to do, you know, to stroke the dogs, to talk to the dogs. They're oh. just, you know, they, they're, Faces just light up. Nine times out of 10, they will tell us, you have no idea how we needed this. Mm -hmm. You have, not only for the patients, you all, the doctors, you've got to take care of yourselves because (laughs) you see everything. And we are so honored to be able to do, you know, the pet therapy with LSU in in the emergency rooms. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not forgotten. I just, I just wanted to say that because (laughs) you are incredibly important. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. And I was, yeah, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth as, as far as we love the pets when, when the pets come down yes. just as much as yep. the patients do. Yeah. <laughs> well, Doctor, we leave anything out that we could have covered in our discussion about urgent care or uh, ER treatment? You know, I don't I don't really think so. Um, unless y'all got any other questions. It's I mean, it's like you said, it's it's difficult sometimes to know when you need to go to the ER. Um and and I tell people all the time, if, if there's a question in the back of your mind, um, you know, just come in. Um, we're not going to fuss at anybody for coming to the emergency room when you shouldn't have. And, you know, I'll use an uh, example of I uh, had a gentleman one time. Um, I think he must have been in his mid-60s. Um, but he's not the only one. Um who was having some chest pain, but he had had a bit breakfast. Um, he'd had some bacon mm. and eggs and he thought it might just be his, his acid reflux. Um, long story short, 
it, it wasn't. Uh, he had a um, critical cardiac condition wow. and um, ended up needing uh, interventional cardiology. He needed, I think he had some stents placed. Oh, gosh. Um, so he was having a heart attack. Um, he thought it might be his acid reflux, but something was just a little bit different. And so he came to the hospital. And, you know, that's just emphasizing what I said earlier, you know, just, you know, your body, even if you, it's similar to something, but something's a little bit different, something's a little bit off, you're not sure, you know, come and come and see us. We're, we're not going to, we're not going to get angry at you. We're not going to fuss at you. Like you said, even if it's a paper cut, we'll, we'll take the opportunity <laughs> to provide some education. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, that's what we're here for. And, you know, and I think some people, you know, especially some older adults, they'll think, I don't want to bother the nice doctor. Right. I don't want to bother him. <laughs> well, you know, you're there for a reason, That's like right. you said. You know, people sometimes just need a reassurance. And thank goodness that that gentleman followed through. Yeah. And it wasn't, you yep. know, the, the bacon or whatever, the, the acid reflux. It was necessary. And he listened to his body, as you said. And I'll tell you what, too. Um, older married gentlemen who don't want to come to the ER, but their wife makes them. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, wife's usually right. <laughs> I, that, they usually need to be there. That's a great way to end this podcast. I love it. Dr. Brooks, thank you so very much for your time and for your expertise. And it was another fabulous episode. This is a special edition, as a matter of fact, of Vax Matters. And I do hope our listeners enjoy that as much as we did. So we will definitely see you and hear you next time.